Welcome to Behind the Bookshelves. My name is Richard Davis, and this Abe Books podcast is dedicated to telling the stories behind books and the people who love them. Today, we're talking about the great American author John Steinbeck and his novel, The Grapes of Wrath. We're speaking to Ellen French from SP Books, who have published a large format reproduction of Steinbeck's original handwritten manuscript. Steinbeck wrote The Grapes of Wrath between May and October in 1938, writing in two oversized ledgers. Working at his home in Greenwood Lane, Los Gatos, he immersed himself in writing what would become his greatest achievement for defining novel of America's Depression era. Steinbeck's novel about impoverished tenant farmers won a National Book Award, a Pulitzer Prize for Fiction, and was a key reason behind Steinbeck's Nobel Prize in 1962. All in all, this manuscript is a true piece of literary history. So, welcome, Ellen. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, so this is a, a really interesting thing to publish. Where is Steinbeck's original manuscript for this book? So Steinbeck's original manuscript of The Grapes of Wrath is held at the Clifton Waller Barrett Library of American Literature, which is at the University of Virginia Library in Charlottesville. And how did you go about getting permission to publish it? Yes, so we first located the document, um, which is always uh, the biggest challenge. And then we contacted the head of special collections at the library. And we also got in touch with a representative of the Steinbeck estate at Steinbeck's original publishing house, which was Penguin Random House. And we asked permission to publish what would become a facsimile edition of this manuscript and what was great throughout the whole process was the excitement and the encouragement from all parties and the desire to work closely with SP Books on this project. So a facsimile is an exact replica, yes? That's right, yes. Right, so we can see his handwriting. Yes, the beauty of a facsimile is that you can see every single element of the author's original handwriting, including corrections, crossings out, additional words, any uh, lots of ink. So it's akin to reading over the author's shoulder. Right. It's the next best, best thing to seeing the real thing. Um, so can you describe uh, what the original lined ledgers look like? Sure. So a ledger is a book which is actually used for accounting uh, and financial records traditionally. So it has quite widely spaced lines and various tables and columns which would traditionally be used for inputting numbers uh, and they're, they're quite big. So these ledgers are 37.5 centimetres in height and 25.5 centimetres in width. And Steinbeck writes over all the columns, ignoring those lines and leaves his own margins. Uh, and for some reason, these were his preferred format to write in. Now, when I was looking at the pictures on, on uh, your website, uh, his, his writing is extraordinarily neat and tidy. Uh, and also 
there didn't look like there were that many corrections, almost as if he was getting it right first time. Um, what are your thoughts when you when you were looking at the handwriting? No, that that's absolutely right. It's remarkably neat and tidy for what is ostensibly a first draft. Uh, and it has, as you say, very few crossings out or rewritten sections. And our thoughts reading this manuscript at first were that you get a very strong sense of Steinbeck's clarity and purpose. Uh, and what's really interesting is that this is in complete contrast to the diary he kept at the time of writing. Uh, which shows that he was completely racked with uncertainty uh, and doubts that this book would ever be a success um, in contrast to what you see in the manuscript. And with regard to how neat the handwriting is, it is very, very neat, but it does get small in places. Uh, and at the beginning of the manuscript, he's written the words new start and big writing in capital letters. And New Start is a reference to the novels he had previously started and discarded on the same topic of migrant crossings. Um, while Big Writing is actually a promise to his wife, Carol, who was also his typist. Um, I actually have a quote here from one of her letters. Uh, and she writes, in previous manuscripts, he had been carried away by a plot or situation to the point that his writing got smaller and smaller at times jamming four to six lines between the blue ledger lines of the books he always wrote in. I extracted a promise that he would write big and that was merely a reminder to himself, which you can see didn't hold for too long. So <laughs> that's those are Carol's thoughts on his handwriting. Um, but we also like to think when we first saw the manuscript that big writing might also be a promise to himself to to write a masterpiece or or a great work of literature. So he'd had a couple of previous projects that hadn't come to fruition, but he at this stage in his career he he had already published of mice and men and uh, was it Tortilla Flat, um, and they had been successful. So he wasn't he wasn't an un unknown at this time, correct? That's absolutely right. So he'd made two previous attempts to set the idea down on paper of a novel about migrant crossings that would kind of bear witness to Depression era America. And he actually destroyed both of them. So those are his two unfinished novels, The Oklahomans and a satirical work, La Faire Lettersburg. Um, but yes, both of those have been completely destroyed. Right. So it sounds like that he locked himself away for this book and reduced all distractions. Um, is, is that correct, that he was really intensely focused on getting this done? That's completely right. So helped by his wife, Carol, um, he shut himself away completely in his home in Greenwood Lane and constrained himself to a very strict daily routine, which was completely cut off from society and from any distractions. Uh, it seems like Carol was particularly vigilant and she was also typing up his sheets as he was writing them. So between them, the project grew kind of fairly rapidly um, over that period, over that summer uh, in, in 1938. Um, and while he worked, he also listened to 
Tchaikovsky and Stravinsky and Beethoven. Uh, so he was setting down his plot and what would become the Grapes of Wrath, uh, sitting cooped up in his home in his tiny office, uh, writing um, on those oversized ledger books. I almost uh, envy him for being able to do that. Today, when you have the internet and you have social media and many other things that can distract you, it, it must have been great to just close the door and write and write and write and write. Mm, well, what's what's really remarkable is that he finished the whole of the book in less than 100 days, which is, is remarkably fast, as we said, but it makes sense when you consider the conditions of its writing and also the subject matter and Steinbeck's kind of relationship and commitment to it. Right. So the the manuscript, how does it differ from what uh, was what was published? So in contrast to some of the other manuscripts that we've released at SP Books, this manuscript differs very minimally from the published version. And actually, many of those changes come from people other than Steinbeck himself. So there are corrections from Carol Steinbeck, who made marks in red pen, which are visible in the facsimile document as well. And her corrections are mainly to do with punctuation and spelling uh, and even capitalization. Uh, and also indicating paragraph breaks. And these are changes she presumably made when she was typing up the proofs from, from the handwritten manuscript. And the original document also shows how Steinbeck's publisher, which was Viking Press, tried to tone down his language somewhat. So they ended up editing out a dozen uses of the F word in an attempt to make the novel less controversial uh, and they also excised two sentences accusing tenant farmers of socialism and bolshevism um, as i said all in an attempt to make the novel less controversial which it inevitably ended up being anyway right right that's interesting to see that uh or to see that editing process in in <laughs> in reality what, what are your feelings when you are when you're looking at the book, that it, that the facsimile, it's, when I said it's a piece of literary history, I think it really is. Don't you, don't you agree? Absolutely. It's, it's quite something being able to, to see a work in the process of being created uh, and get a glimpse into that creative process. Uh, and yeah, it, it can be a truly kind of literary and emotional experience to be able to read an author's work in their own handwriting. Uh, tell us a bit about SP Books. What's the business model? It, it sounds like you reproduce original manuscripts and print them as a, a deluxe edition. Would that be correct? Yes, that's right. So SP Books is an independent publishing house founded in Paris in Saint-Germain-des-Prés uh, that specialises in facsimile editions of literary manuscripts. And to our knowledge, that's still a unique editorial offer, although we're happy to be proved wrong. <laughs> uh, and particularly in a world which is increasingly digital, we see real value in creating a reading experience that is 
intimate and inspiring uh, and through presenting the author's original handwriting we want to create something that can be revisited and kept forever so we create these long-lasting beautiful editions of classic texts that readers can hopefully hold on to and the manuscripts we release are reproduced as facsimiles which offer the reader the opportunity to hold and kind of almost near faithful copy of an original manuscript in their own hands and for every publication we treat it as a work of art that we're restoring with high quality graphic reproduction yeah and, and in terms of the business so after beginning with the publication of major french manuscripts uh, sp book started releasing an anglo-american collection in 2016 uh, with jane eyre and since then we've published many uh, american and english literary classics including uh, alice's adventures underground and the great gatsby and many more uh, and i suppose what what's great about literature is that it reaches across boundaries and that's what we're increasingly trying to do as a company uh, so we recently published our first ever brazilian author with a portuguese manuscript so i'm wondering this is a silly question but which legend of literature has the worst handwriting <laughs> that's a good question um <laughs> most of them is the answer <laughs> really <laughs> like like everyone else yeah although some of them are remarkably neat um jane austen's handwriting is beautifully neat but it's not really a fair question because the manuscripts we see are at different stages so some of them will be fair copies which are delivered to a printer just before printing and some of them will be first drafts so we see we see manuscripts in very different stages right so in some ways i guess the the comments, the, the, the marginalia, the edits, the comments to themselves and you know, to their partners in crime or their wife, as in this case, must be super insightful to show a little, little insight into the process they were going through. Absolutely. Often the marginalia is more fascinating and more insightful than, than the copied out text because that's what you can't see in a printed edition, of course. And we actually had a wonderful experience with the Steinbeck manuscript of helping solve almost an archival mystery related to part of the marginalia uh, of this manuscript. So when we first saw the manuscript, there is a very perceptible slut scrawled in red crayon at the end of the manuscript. And we were speaking to Susan Schillinglaw, who is a Steinbeck scholar and director of the National Steinbeck Centre. And she told us that this is a mystery, perhaps a joke, or, or the, the consensus was that maybe the manuscript had been defaced at some point um, while it had been in the University of Virginia collections. Uh, but when, when we released, when SP Books released this book, uh, the UK Guardian released a piece about the publication of the manuscripts in which the slut mystery was covered. And following that article, a Swedish academic got in touch to say that the word end in Swedish is actually slut. <laughs> uh, and in fact, Steinbeck and 
Carol had actually traveled to Sweden and were friendly with Swedish authors. So it's always nice to be able to, to help contribute and kind of extend the conversation, um, the academic research even around, around the publication that we're working on. Right. I did indeed read that that article and I was wondering about that. I, I was wondering if it was like when an author finishes the manuscript, they're actually so fed up and they hate it. They're just glad it's finished. And it was like a little abusive comment back to the manuscript, but clearly not. <laughs> well, those are the kinds of conversations that were going on in academic circles, but the mystery's finally been solved. Wow. OK. All right. Wow. What an incredible story. Um, so, Ellen, our final question is, uh, what book or books are you currently reading? And we ask this question to all our guests. Ah, a fantastic question. So I've actually just finished uh, the new Sally Rooney, like everyone else in the world. <laughs> mm. um, and I thought it was wonderful. And I actually was just saying I'd like to go back and read it again, uh, because on the first time of reading, I just gulped it down and I think I'd like to go back and reflect on it uh, with um, slightly <laughs> with a slightly slower pace. Wow. So you're a fast reader then? I would almost say I'd like to be a slower reader, but I can't help myself <laughs> from <laughs> racing through a book if I'm enjoying it. <laughs> uh, right. So I think slow reading uh, as with Eskie books definitely has its place. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. Um, that's all we have time for today. Thank you to Ellen French from SP Books for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much. Uh, you can learn more about SP Books and the Steinbeck manuscript at spbooks.com. That's spbooks.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Richard Davis, and you've been listening to an Abe Books podcast, and we'll see you all again soon.